All right, all right. Welcome to the show. This is Midwest Coast Bias, episode six. It, unfortunately, is July 3rd, 2015, and I think we're about a month and then some change uh, behind on delivering our most recent episode. But I'm Ty, and with me is Matt. Hi, everybody. Good to hear you. I don't think they can hear us, or I don't think we can hear them. That's exactly how out of practice I am. I know, right it's going to be, we're going to be rusty. I apologize already. Uh, well, we had some logistical challenges. Um, it started with Matt, and it continued with me, and then it continued with me again. Um, I had disconnected internet. I had, uh, what else? Well, I'm, we're, I'm selling my house, right? So my Just whole life you, is in you know constant what? upheaval. You had life upheaval. That's like the plate tectonics of, you know, science you can say it people just can say okay fine life upheaval bye well i also think that i didn't realize when we first started the show how much it was going to matter that you were two hours uh, ahead and that i can't really do this until my children are asleep right right yeah and then by the time your children are asleep i'm occasionally fading especially on fridays because fridays it's tough to rally it is yeah, it's been a long week, and it's it's hard to like get up for a nine o'clock show. But you know what? I had the day off today. I have absolutely no excuses. I'm going to be up late anyway, so why not? All right. Well, we are just in time to discuss NBA free agency. So, Matt, did you have any thoughts about the specifics of what's happened today in the last couple of days that you wanted? To I chat? would first. Yeah, I, I don't have any specific thoughts, but we can roll into it. And I'm sure some will fall out of my head. But holy bonanza! Um, I think we knew this was going to be a big free agent um, year. And just the amount of money that's getting thrown around is kind of staggering. It's also really interesting to see teams like the Lakers and the Knicks just really not getting any attention from the big names. And well, it just doesn't matter anymore, I don't think. How? What do you mean? Like I think they're... people just want to... It used to be... You know, media used to matter. Yeah. And I feel like the internet has made the world and the country really small. So I, I don't think it matters where you play. I don't know that the prestige exists to win for the Lake Show and or certainly for the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks have been fooling themselves for my entire life as long as I can remember that they were some sort of marquee franchise. And really they have been a, a second-tier franchise. As, as I was born in 1979. They've been a second-tier franchise, a premier franchise for maybe three or four of those seasons in the yes. last... 35 years. Yeah, yeah. And, like, playing big in New York, it attracted a guy like Carmelo, and he's just the type of ego who, you know, takes something out of that. Oh, he's the king of New York from a basketball standpoint. But you know what? He's he's just going to waste away there unless he, unless he figures out that championships are more valuable than the big money. Well, I don't know that... He, he, I, I have to look back and really see what the, <clears throat> the landscape looked like. I remember... You know, you and I watched a lot of that Denver team play when Melo was just starting to hit his prime and they had guys playing out of their minds that you hadn't even seen before, like, uh, you know, what, uh, Klaza, Linus Klaza. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who was the, the guard? Was it, was it Ty Lawson back then, too, still? Um, probably, no, it probably wasn't Ty Lawson. I'm trying to think of who it was before Ty Lawson. Oh, well, Chauncey Billups was on that team. Mm. On those teams. Yeah, for a couple of years. So yeah, they had some they had some really good teams put together, but you just look at what Carmelo is going to be up against in New York, and it's an absolute joke. It's an absolute joke. Um, who did they sign? Oh, they signed Aaron Aflalo. Great. That's a thing, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, another Denver cast-off who never amounted to anything. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't think they're going to win a big free agent. I don't see anyone. I don't see anyone 
uh, going out of their way to get there. LaMarcus Aldridge is not going to end up there because it's an absolute joke. It seems like it's San Antonio all the way for LaMarcus. I'm, I'm right there with you, especially the news just came down that DeAndre Jordan signed a max deal with the Mavs. I was going to so, say that was the most Mavs signing possible. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. A big man for big money. Yeah. So, yeah. A I limited mean, big man for big money. Yeah, and the, I think it's interesting that he wants to be more more a bigger part of the offense. <laughs> for those at home, there was just a big, giant Liz Lemon eye roll out of Ty <laughs> Keller. <laughs> I think my whole and, head rolls. And hopefully out of you as well, because he that's not his gig, right? I mean, he's going to be a great rim protector. He's going to be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation probably for close to the next five to ten years. Let's say let's say seven years. Not if Mozgov has anything to say about it. Yeah, Mozgov. Another. Well, thanks, Carmelo. That's another <laughs> Carmelo thing that went to de- they the the Nugs got Carmelo. I'm sorry, they gave up Carmelo and they got Gallinari, Mozgov, and one other big oh uh, Wilson Chandler and that's awful yeah <laughs> lol, lol mix I mean what, what are they thinking and now you've got you know empty calories mellow just pissed off in New York you know hope his wife's happy every generation has a superstar like mellow absolutely it was absolutely. supposed to be Dwayne Wade only mellow took the spot yep yep who was okay so who was the uh, the previous generations. Mellow. The I'm getting mine. I'm gonna, you know, push well, to win. We had like a whole ten years of only that with Steve Francis, Stephen Marbury, um, Iverson. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, Iverson, right? So, did you watch the any of the Iverson documentary? No, no. But I was reminded the other day that, you know, he has all that money coming to him in 2030. Do you know about this? Oh yeah, the Bobby Bonilla deal. <laughs> Like yeah, the, the Bobby Bonilla deal reminded me of it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he signed up, I mean, he just has to stay alive till 2030. And then he's going to get something like $40 million from Reebok. But I, I don't know. I mean, that's amazing. Let's, and awesome. let's say we're disgusting people and would want to bet on something like this. <laughs> is he making it? 20, is it 2030 or 2040? 2030. Ooh, it's like 50-50, right? I know. That's, <laughs> if you were going to set the over-under, it would be if a it 20 If it was 10 years, I'd be like, oh, he's got a cold. But 15 seems... Just... I, I just agree. Yeah, and I didn't... I, I, I don't have the benefit of watching that um, that documentary. What, what was your takeaway from it? Oh, that he was much more of an alcoholic than I had any idea. I mean, I knew that it was like a lot of talk about his partying, but it was more in terms of being out late that seemed to rile people up about it. But well, the, what did you think he was doing when he was out? Well, <laughs> scoring, scoring, scoring forty-five the next night. I mean, that you know. Yeah. The, uh, I guess the revelation too that, and, and I guess this has also been a, a rumor that I hadn't been exposed to was that he was drunk during the practice rant. Yeah, I, I heard that. That changes sort of my opinion of what's going on there. Although it makes it both funnier and sadder at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's making it to twenty thirty. Um, so is he currently like a hardcore alcoholic? I. Uh, it was hard to, to to really say what to take away from it, but I, I mostly you know thought about it in terms of his legacy, or you know, I, like a selfish person does in terms of me and how he affected me. <laughs> well, how did he? How did he affect you? Oh, just you know, I mean, as a basketball fan. Oh, okay. I didn't. You know, I wasn't really concerned about Alan Iverson 
personally. More concerned about, you know, did I get to see the best of him and did he cheat me out of my, you know, free television watching right, performance right. that I wanted to see. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. If we talk about his problems, it's going to be sad and I don't... That's not Let's fun. not talk about his problems. Let's continue <laughs> to talk about NBA free agency. Well, so the Kings, the Sacramento Kings of comedy... Signed uh, <laughs> like Rajan, yeah, Rajan Rondo uh, just a few hours ago. Head smack. Um, yeah, that doesn't. I don't under. Does that fit into George Carl's offense? Well, no. Well, first of all, I don't think it fits into George Carl. And does George Carl fit into the Sacramento Kings? I don't think we figured no, that. That hasn't even no. been figured out yet. Well, and then now you've got two dudes that are super moody and enig- you can't put two enigmas on the same team. That yeah. In- not without a leader. Right. And there's no leader. Like, Rudy Gay is not a leader. He's also kind of an enigma. It's like, this is going to be the all-enigma all-stars on this team. Yeah, I, I have no idea what to expect. I, I don't know if Boogie's going to stick around. Well, apparently George Carl's trying to trade him. Yeah, yeah. Which is and insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, keep him around for another year when he's miserable? But shouldn't Rondo and, and Boogie be, like, the ideal pick-and-roll offense? Yes, but you just made the point about them both being so moody and enigmatic. $4 word. Well, it definitely led to a, a pretty hilarious moment that I shared with you right before we started taping, which was, you know, obviously I keep up with Isaiah Thomas, pre, uh, former UW Husky, current Boston Celtic, not Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah with an extra I, rather. Um some guy tweeted that uh, Darren Collison, who was the Kings back or the Kings point guard last year, was going through the three stages of being a Sacramento point guard. Um, what a nice surprise! Oh, we definitely need an upgrade. Oh, and here's the new guy. <laughs> and uh, Isaiah replied black. Isaiah replied back rather. Uh, <laughs> Law, you write about that, which I I thought was pretty funny. And yeah. when you say it out loud, isn't nearly as funny. As when you actually read it, because when you say something like mm-hmm. "lol," you write about that, you sound like a fucking idiot. Yeah, that's okay. I, I I think it still makes the point. I mean, unless they land, they're not even going to go after Ty Lawson now. I mean, Ty Lawson is the guy who George Carl wants, and they're not going to get him. So let's talk about Isaiah Thomas for just a second. I mean, he's going to. Is he looking at sixth man of the year? You know, for the next couple of years, or do you think there's a chance that he can get himself in a starting role as the point guard on that team? I think he can start. He just can't finish. Um, he, it's one of the things where he's too small. So in crunch time, his size becomes a liability. But during the rest of the game, it's really ideal. Yeah. So I think he's better served as a starter who doesn't yeah. finish the game unless you're looking for um, like icy last second shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm surprised that he's not you know, getting more attention as a potential starter on that team. He could he could play more minutes. So what, I mean, what, you think he just wears out because his body's too small or he can't play defense or what? what is it? Oh, no, just that he's small enough and not quite athletic enough to get so open that he doesn't get blocked. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, do you remember, here's a great example. Um, do you remember the, the playoffs? Uh, I can't remember if the Mavs actually won the title this year. I would call it the J.J. Barea playoffs. I think okay. that, it was the year the Mavs won the title, I think. Okay. Where J.J. Barea was starting for the team in the finals, and it was like a, they, it was just a matchup problem for the other team. Yeah. But then he wouldn't play crunch time. Yeah. 
I, think I, I remember that. I think that's your best case Isaiah Thomas scenario. Only I think he can do it for an entire season. I think it's not like it's sort of it's like uh, if he was on a team that had made the playoffs or made or if he was on the the Cavs and had played the Delavadova role, it would have been the same sort of reaction, but a much better quality of basketball. Yeah, and also he wouldn't be trying to you know um, sprain people's knees and whatever else Delavadova was doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, so who's going to be the point guard? So who's the point guard for the, the Celtics? Who's their starter? I'm looking at their roster right now. Well, the only other guard that I know on the roster without looking is Avery Bradley. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't think he's a starter, though, too. Maybe he's a defensive guy. Yeah. Um, I'm just not. I'm just. Phil, Phil, Pre- deep, right? Phil Pressy? Phil Pressy? I don't know. Are you going to make, right. make anyway. this up? No, no, no. Let's, let's not talk about the Celtics anymore. That's dumb. Um. Well, we're filling yeah. a gap now that the BS report's gone, right? Bill Simmons isn't <laughs> around true. to talk about his uh, own we team. Should, we should talk about Phil Simmons at some point. Did you just call him Phil? Phil <laughs> Simmons? <laughs> I was is looking that, at Phil. I was looking at Phil Press. Is that a golfer? <laughs> Phil Simmons. Um, wow, who are these people? Now I'm looking yeah. at the damn Celtics roster. Yeah. I, I, oh, how, Marcus, how Smart, this, Marcus Smart is our starting point guard. Come on. He starts at point guard. Yeah, what that else are you gonna do? Oh, this team is. Yeah, well, this team made the playoffs last year, right? Yeah, they sneaked into the playoffs, and I think I think uh, Isaiah Thomas had something a lot to do with that. So they can, I don't know, if they can find a way to get him more time as a starter. Yeah, I, I, I think I don't know. I, I feel like he's talented enough to make to make an impact and to lead a team. So that brings us back to Rajon Rondo, who's I don't know. In the twilight, he just doesn't care, and it, it's like he keeps looking for a new situation and a fresh start, and he's not finding the right situation or the right fresh start. And I don't know if that's an indictment on him or the fresh starts that are available. That's that that's a tough one for me, but he, they had no room for him in Dallas, and I don't blame him. And Sacramento is going to be a shit show this year. You might as well just throw this year away for that team. I really, I really don't think they're going to make it work. I think that the Celtics situation worked really well for Rondo to have um, just veterans around him that knew what to do and where to be and how to make him uh, look great. And yeah. then when it became mm-hmm. like he, this is one of those things where it's the argument about who makes who good. And it's very clear to me now that uh, Rondo was the benefit of playing on really talented teams. Yeah. Yeah. I think he came when he got put on that team, he was either drafted or extremely young. Right, he was either drafted as a rookie by the Celtics, or he was just extremely young and put on that team. And I think everything he did appeared to be overachieving, and some that somehow that turned into him being really a star player, a good player. But really, what it was was yeah, like you like you said, it was the byproduct of of just all those great guys around him. And yeah, maybe Rondo. I don't know how long has he been in the league. Oh, yes. Eight eight on. years at least, right? Because they won the title years. in 08. Yeah. And he was young. I think he was young at that time. He was. So, anyway. I don't know about George Carl's status in, in Sacramento. As a Nuggets fan, I'm frustrated that they picked up the coach that Sacramento kicked out of town. Um, but the more the more I look about, the more I learn about Cousins and kind of how much power he has in that organization... If it wasn't a good fit and they sided with the player over the coach, 
it's the NBA. I understand that that's going to happen. Um, so maybe I'm trying to I'm trying to have like a little bit of I don't know positive energy towards this guy, but I really have no idea what to expect. Well, it's funny to watch sports writers react to this sort of coach killer thing that they say. And it's like, I think about it in terms of uh, if I was running, say, a Fortune 500 software company and I had some manager that was, or, you know, senior manager, executive vice president, whatever, that was new and running some division that included, say, my most talented developer that I'd known was the most talented developer was the bot, you know, was the, the roots of the organization. And the only reason the company even ran is because this guy wrote the app or whatever. And if we hooked the guy, the boss guy, because he couldn't get along with the the guy that made the, the business run, nobody would say boo about it. But when it's sports, there's this patriarchal bullshit that goes on that where the players need to sort of kowtow to the coaches and, you know, sports writers get upset about it. It's really a weird dynamic because it feels wrong to them. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel, you know, I, I, know I think it never, has to do we with never really military. Disagree. I think we never really do, disagree on this show, but. <laughs> I don't think it's like that in the NBA. I really don't think it's like that in the NBA. I think it is players league first and foremost. And I understand what you're saying about sports writers, but I don't read a lot of them who who say that, oh, a player needs to just fall in line or any bullshit like that. I think they all understand that it's, it is the way it is. The players make this league and you have to find a guy who, <clears throat> well, let's look at Phil, Phil Jackson for what if Phil Jackson doesn't have the greatest basketball mind, but he's really good at managing stars and people? You know? He figures out a way to make it work with the people who are around him. And that wasn't necessarily about, like, oh, I'm, I'm the hard-ass coach. You just do whatever I tell you. Because that's that turns guys off and they leave town. And you're going to lose talent. Well, that's that's the go along with my example then. Then Phil is the talented executive that you bring in to manage a team that's challenging to work with, who may not be technical or a bill, you know, able to deliver on it, you know, uh, the product himself, but understands yeah. people well enough to get them to do their jobs in order to get the best possible product. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think I think I, I kind of went on a, a rant, maybe not a rant, but I I, I I wondered aloud in social media about his Phil's Phil's ability. Um, as a coach and a true basketball person, as opposed to an actual, like a, just a good manager of people who know, and good managers know when to insert themselves and they know when to step out of the way. Correct. You know, enable your people for success is your job. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I wonder, I mean, I guess that makes me think of like the LeBron, David Blatt situation. I mean, there was talk after, I think it was game five in Chicago this year that, um, Blatt had called up a play for the la- for a last second shot, and it wasn't to LeBron. <laughs> and LeBron just stepped in and said, "No, I'm taking the last second shot." And he basically, you know, overstepped. I don't want to say overstepped his bounds. He just basically stepped up and said, "No, I'm I'm making this decision," and it asserted himself, which is the abs. In the end, it was the absolute right thing to do, and you cannot argue with that. Um, but what if David Blatt is a genius? What and, if David Blatt knew who knew LeBron what? would insist on taking the shot only if he drew wow. it up so that it wasn't for him? And by insisting, he would inspire the rest of his teammates to play harder for that one play while their hero bailed them out. Wow. I don't know. I never thought of it. That's, That's the, the Will Jackson move, right? Yeah. I, I guess. Has he done that before? Well, the, the only um, anecdote that I saw that's, I guess, even 
is the uh, you know Jordan passes to Paxson for the open three. It's kind of the reverse. Okay. Um, but Phil apparently asked Mike in the timeout, "Who's open?" Because I don't remember the context of the game. I only read that short story, but um, Mike was having a hard time getting a shot. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Who's open?" He's like, "Pax." He's like, "Then get him the ball." Okay, so basically, mm-hmm. that's brilliant. That's yeah. some brilliant shit right there. Right. I'm yeah. going to ask you what to do. Yeah. We're struggling. And you're gonna... What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. But you're going to have. But Phil had the answer. Mm-hmm. And he had to. And but Mike had to get there. Well, it's the it's the key to make it to it. Well, it made it Mike's answer. Correct. Right? It's the key to any sort of human manipulation is to make somebody think that your idea is their idea. And so maybe that's what Phil's good at. Yeah. And maybe he knows very obviously who the best players are, but it his his presence on Twitter seems to belie someone who doesn't understand how basketball is being played currently. <laughs> right. It's like you remember three years ago, two playoffs ago, not the most recent ones, but the mo- uh, not the Spurs year, but the Heat championship. Um, okay. I guess it would have been the second one. That would be three years. Three well, years. yeah, I'm not counting. So sorry, yes, so whatever. Twenty. Anyway, twenty twelve. I'm right there with you. <laughs> you remember that uh that was the last year that memphis sort of looked like they could legitimately win the, you know what i mean like they, i think that was the year they played the spurs even in the first round yeah but they gave them a really tough test um and the game has moved so far away from that in the three seasons since that to watch a team like golden state sort of capitalize on what or uh you know bring it all the way to the culmination of the title after the season they had it seemed wrong to everybody the entire season, right? Like, it was like, this can't work. This can't work. Everybody kind right. of kept waiting for them to come back to Earth. And then they had a historically great season simply by believing in the talents of the players that they had. It's like, yeah. just because they don't have a dude gets to the rim every five minutes and takes 20 foul shots, yeah, they felt like in the playoffs it wasn't going to work. But yeah. it turns out if you can just shoot the lights out, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not like they cracked the nut on that one, right? If you have two lights out shooters, you know, and and one is off every other night, but they're both on every other night, right. you're you're gonna be in good shape. Yeah, I I I'm you know hats off to the Warriors. Um, I was pulling for LeBron and the Cavs just because I I want Cleveland as a city <laughs> to have a little bit of something to feel good about from a sports standpoint. I don't know why, why I feel sad for them. It's almost like any time I hear about Cleveland sports, I I think about that um, commercial that comes on late night TV where it's uh, like a dog shelter and there's a Sarah McLaughlin song playing over it. It's really fucking sad and really fucking depressing. That's how I feel about Cleveland sports. And I just want them to get just one thing. They deserve just one, just a sliver of when it comes to championships. I can't say I give a shit about Cleveland. Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's it's sad. You don't, I mean, man, they've been they've had their heart broken so many times in so many ways. Yes. Don't shake your head. People no. at home, he's shaking his head like he just <laughs> no. smelled something bad. Not yeah. that they haven't had their share of lumps. I just, oh, they've had some bad luck. Whatever. I, I until most re, until the last two years. It's been nothing but a nightmare here in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. So I don't give a shit about Cleveland and their sob story, all right? Has it, has it been heartbreaking? Has it been heartbreaking? Like, in heartbreaking fashion? Outside of the fact that the Sonics up and left down. No, the implicate... No, 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 no. The, 
to be heartbreaking, you have to be competitive. And Seattle sports, for the most part, until, again, very recently, and really only the one team, uh, have really been consistently competitive. So, yeah, I mean, uh, heartbreaking, there, of course there are moments, but we don't have as many as Cleveland. They get punched in the nuts all the time. But this seems appropriate for a town like Cleveland. It seems like the place you should get punched in the nuts. You know what? That's some West Coast bias bullshit right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's damn right. I don't give a shit. Ah, uh, Cleveland ain't so bad. Anyway. Uh, what were we talking about? Well, oh, we were talking free, about free agency. Phil. Um, yeah, let's get on with that. What, let's get yeah. back to free agency. What else can we talk about free agency? So we're, the jury's still out on where LaMarcus Aldridge is going to land, but I think the writing's on the wall. He's going to be a spur. I saw my favorite tweet about this the other day. It's like, who does LaMarcus Aldridge think he is? Like, make, think it's time to make a decision. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? If you had some job where like twenty people wanted to hire you and it could be all over the country, you would take your time with a decision. It, absolutely. The first absolutely. thing you'd ask is, "What's my deadline to make this decision?" Uh huh. I um, will be accepting bids up until this deadline. Right. Exactly. As someone who just sold a house, yes. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> how you make it work. Well, we uh, talked about Phil, and then we talked about. Uh, uh, I don't want to talk about Lamarcus because I don't think it's interesting. He's going to go to the Spurs, and yeah, you're, just, you're. there's no suspense. Um, we we're talking about Phil, and we were talking about streaky shooting with the with the Warriors, and uh, that reminds me of some comments I saw that Scottie Pippen made. I think it was earlier this week um, that he was LeBron before LeBron was LeBron, and I don't disagree with that at all. I actually think that's a pretty good comparison, and that if LeBron played on a team with there's nobody else in the league right now that could could you overshadow him, at least that I can think of. But, no. you know, if, anyway, Scotty. So Scotty said this. So what are your thoughts on this? So why don't we just go ahead with that? Tell me what you think. Um, well, what did Scotty say exactly? He, he just basically said I was LeBron before LeBron was LeBron. Yeah, I could That's basically it. get hot, I think, score yeah. a bunch of points, rebound, to, you know, close to average a triple-double, essentially. Right. Because I'm going to score 20, I'm going to rebound 10, I'm going to get... Five to ten assists. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can or steals and argue with it. I mean, think you think like obviously the first thing I would point, I mean, look at it would be defense because I always think of Scotty as a defensive first player. Although there's no question he could score and rebound and do the other stuff. Um, I think he's a a better defender than LeBron. How big could? Maybe LeBron could guard more guys. Like LeBron's a bigger dude. LeBron LeBron's a bigger dude. And has he? How many um, defensive player of the years has he won? If any, he's he's been defensive. He's probably been on the uh, all defensive team a time or two. Um, but I think Scotty Scotty. I guess what I'm getting at is Scotty has the edge defensively, but they're very similar in that aspect in that they can, you know, become lockdown defenders. And from a scoring standpoint, you got to give the edge to LeBron, but just overall body type and how they play, yeah, I think they're they're a closer comparison than comparing them, you know, comparing LeBron to Jordan or whatever. Because let's face it, that's what it comes down to. Like, everybody wants to compare, compare LeBron to Michael Jordan, and they're kind of realizing that, oh, you know, maybe Scotty's a slightly better better fit for the comparison. I'm just, you know... I'm just tired of, of people comparing LeBron to everybody. Like, what difference does it make? LeBron's the best player we have in the league right now. Just enjoy it. Don't don't try and stack him up against other people. I, I, I guess I just don't, I don't necessarily think that way. 
No, I blame gets, the internet. Yeah, and it gets frustrating that you know I, I'm, you know we're on that that same um, garbage time basketball group, and everything about LeBron immediately comes back to Michael Jordan. And I'm I'm ready to just let Michael Jordan go. I'm I'm absolutely done with Michael Jordan. Probably been done with him for 15 years. As long as you and I live, we will never be done with Michael Jordan. I know, but I'm done with him. I'm not gonna talk about him anymore. Should I give him the Voldemort treatment? <laughs> he should not. He who shall not be named. That's a pretty snooty basketball move, but yeah, you could do it. <laughs> I mean, I I respect. Well, hold on. I appreciate Michael Jordan. He was the great. He's the greatest player of all time. But I'm just tired of him being. I don't know. Always part of the conversation because there's a lot more going on in basketball right now that's interesting than Michael Jordan. And why does it always have to just like take that? Sideways turn into, oh, what, what about Michael Jordan? Well, who cares about Michael Jordan? Well, because during the period that Michael Jordan played, it felt like some one guy was beating the whole league every year, and it seemed like there was no hope for anyone as long as he was going to continue to do so. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody talks about Bill Russell. Well, yeah, but you and I didn't see Bill Russell play. <clears throat> yeah, do you think it was obno- they were as obnoxious about Bill Russell? Through, like, the late 70s and the early 80s? Well, not white people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, enough Michael Jordan. I'm done with it. Look, the the thing is, here's the bottom line, is that in my lifetime, LeBron is the second best player I've ever seen play basketball. Yeah, and he's he's very exciting. And I really enjoy watching LeBron play. I'd rather just enjoy watching him play than figure out a way to compare him to Michael Jordan. I do wish that he would develop his finesse game in the post because it's clear it's clear to me that he's not going to be able to run the floor the way he runs it today very much longer. Yeah. It looks like it's becoming a struggle, especially if you just go look at like 2010 LeBron or 2009 LeBron when he was last, his last season with the Cavs. He looks – it's been five years. It looks like it's 10 on his odometer, like just looking at his face. Yeah. And you have to remember he's made the finals – how many years in a row? Or eight five. Of, is it five years in a row and seven of nine? Is that what it is? It's something. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. Like that. That's he's got so a lot of many basketball games. Yeah, it's a, it's minutes. You look at minutes. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's got. I don't want to say more minutes than anybody, like from a playoff standpoint, but he's right up there. He's played as many games as as possible for like four straight years. Yeah, yeah, five straight years. Yeah, plus I, the Olympics. I plus the Olympics. Yeah. I don't, I don't see him um, necessarily breaking down physically. As I let me let me, I, I see him slowing down, but not like I don't see like a catastrophic injury in his future. You know what I mean? No, no. I think he's too big and strong and just well put together to to have something like that in his career or in the season. I think it's just going to be wearing down. But it's going to be a slow wear down. So getting back to your point about him developing slow post game, there's no question that if he figures out a way to push that body around and use it as for like muscle instead of speed, he's going to get a few more years out of it. Well, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, the one thing he's not going to lose is his size. Right, exactly. So he's going to be effective and probably play a major role on a contender for the next decade still. Agreed, absolutely. But it really does require him to change his game. He can't shoot four foot behind the three-point line threes. He can't shoot 
He can't run the floor constantly and try to chase down block people. He's going to have to rely on better teammates. He's not going to be able to drag these shit teams into the finals. Right. And so he's going to have to take... It's going to feel like he's a role player, but it's going to be more like a... Um, actually, more like a Scottie Pippen to a Michael <laughs> Jordan situation. Right, So right. if Kyrie can take the bulk of the scoring load in this coming season and Kevin Love can return to form, I actually think the Cavs sound like the favorites or seem like the favorites uh, to win the title next year. But Did that's... it go... All right. Well, you look what happened this year. It went six games. Mm-hmm. And LeBron went into the finals with himself and the lint in his pocket. You were playing, or you, you personally, you were playing Matthew Dellavedova 30 minutes a game, whatever. No, it was an absolute joke. There's the fact that it went six games with, with who he had around him is first of all, a testament to how great LeBron is, but also there, you know, Kyrie's going to get healthy. Love. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with love. He's going to, you're right. He's going to return to form. And they're going to figure out a way to use him. But you're looking at a starting five of Kyrie, Mozgov, Love, LeBron, and who, who's, who's Shepard? No. Yeah, probably. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe Shepard. That's a damn good team. Yeah. And I think JR is gone. JR Smith is gone. He decided not to re-up. Hmm. So Did that happen already? Yeah. They just, they just threw a bunch of money at uh, Tristan Thompson. He signed up. So... You know, they're like they're like one good or, I'm sorry, they're they're one decent free agent signing away from having all the parts they need. And I don't think I mean Delavadova is not gonna have the season he had last year. Well, the playoffs he had last year. No, but he's fine to leave that. I mean I, I like to keep the pest around. Mm-hmm. Although he tends to disappoint because people expect him to do it again. Yeah. 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 So yeah, anyway. Um, what else can we talk about free agency wise? What other big names are out there? We talked about Boogie. I could see Boogie going to the Lakers. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, now I'm looking at the J.R. Smith thing, and it says he opts out but wants to return. So he probably oh. just wants more years. Yeah. Okay. He probably wants one more contract. Yeah, I can and see that. I don't think J.R. Smith is a bad guy to have in a team on a team like Cleveland. I think he's actually kind of a perfect fit. Yeah, have I mean, a very can... strong veteran presence. Yeah. Um, you have a dude who's not going to take a bunch of shit, although I don't know how much... What do you um, mean, take a bunch of shit? I mean, from a, uh, let you act like a fool. I think that LeBron probably... Just like, okay. I'm trying to win championships. If you are not part of... If you're not going to act... You know, if you're going to act like a fool, then you got to go. Yeah. But I know that was actually kind of a criticism early in his career, but granted he was a kid, that he didn't yeah. control the locker room enough. And now he gets too much crap for being too controlling. And, he, you know, he's, oh, that was the article that I read, was that it was a Mark Stein article talking about how LeBron showed up David Blatt. And it was like, well, whatever. If LeBron knows the answer, fuck David Blatt. Right, right. The goal is yeah. to win the game. Who cares this isn't, who gets to make the call? This isn't college basketball. Right. Stein. That's, that's a different sport altogether. That's That's something else. No, this isn't this isn't about respecting your elders. This is this is about figuring out the best way to win a game. And that answer doesn't necessarily come from the guy in the suit all the time. No. J.R. Smith, before we close up shop on that, he was he made some bad decisions in the playoffs. He had some dumbass fouls. He could not get hot, but he kept shooting. That's what they do. You know, you let you tell him to keep shooting until he gets hot because you know it's gonna pay off and maybe save your ass for one game. But Ugh, well, yeah. shit, I think when you and I used to play in a rec league, you told me to keep shooting more than once. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just keep shooting, because I'm not going to shoot them. 
<laughs> I'm not, I can't make shots. Somebody has to. Just keep shooting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, you know, I don't think anything else exciting is happening in free agency unless you have something you want to close up no, with. No, no. I mean, I've been I've been concocting a lot of different scenarios for Ty Lawson in my head. Um, because after the Nuggets drafted that point guard um, who had played in China for a year, Ty Lawson is, is pretty well gone. And I think Ty Lawson can be a real, real asset for any team he lands on. I mean, he... Good basketball player. He's a damn good basketball player. He's a damn good point guard. I mean... Um, you know, he's, he's overshadowed by some amazing point guards, but they, I mean, I think he averaged like 16 points and 10 assists last season. I mean, you want that on your team, no matter, no matter who you are. So I hope they can, I hope the Nuggets can figure out a way to turn him into something very, very valuable. I don't know what it is, but it would be nice to get something, something nice and, you know, meaty for him because I'm, I'm not ready to give up on the Nuggets altogether because, they actually have a pretty decent team, and if this if this draft pick turns out to be anything special, I don't know. Maybe they can make the playoffs. It's tough. It's tough being a Nuggets fan. <laughs> Maybe we can make the playoffs. Maybe we can make the playoffs, and half the league makes the playoffs. Why not us? That's that's the new shirt for them. Why literally, not? Us? Literally. Literally. Don't say literally. Just. If I'm being literal. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's so literally right. literally <laughs> you guys literally well speaking this is a great great segue there into yeah. people that say literally you uh you had some thoughts on social media you wanted to share oh no not really just i think i'm tired of it and i don't know what to do about it because i'm really really good at it oh <laughs> <laughs> Because social media rewards, like, smart remarks. If you're good at smart remarks, it rewards that. Um, But it also, but that depends on your friends. Um, But it also, I don't know. It's just all, it's all bite-sized stuff, right? But there's so much mindless, pointless drivel out there that I just, I just really can't take it. I don't post images of my children very often. And it's, I'd like to get to never, but sometimes they're just so cute you can't help yourself. Well, and you want people who you care about to see it. Right. Because I, I don't, I, I feel the same way. As a matter of fact, I think we've talked about the fact that I laid down the law with my extended family about the way social media and pictures of my children were going to work. And essentially the rule was I, you don't get to make the call. That's a good rule. Yeah, it's there's just entirely too much crap out there. How do we... How do we, could I could I get off social media altogether? What do you mean? Could you? Can I just should I just be done with it? It's completely up to you. I mean, I have so much fun making fun of people on it, but that's not necessarily a positive thing. Well, if you want to say you're so good at it, then why don't you start an anonymous Twitter account and somehow get more than a hundred thousand people to follow it in less than a year, and then I will tell you you're good at social media. Are you challenging me? Yeah, you want hmm. a challenge. Yeah, I did. Th- I did think about starting a feed where I just wrote jokes, and the feed was titled something about like, like late night, late night joke farm or something. Basically, where writers on the see that's already shows. not funny. What do you mean? <laughs> the name. <laughs> okay. Oh, so, Matt, Matt's getting I'm upset. So mad right now. <laughs> His lips have turned into a hard, thin line. 
<laughs> anyway, I thought about that, but I don't know what to do with it. Well, I told you this before. I would say 90% of the things I type into the Facebook box I do not publish. So tell me why you don't publish them. Oh, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because other people are sensitive. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's me. I Yeah, I just, I'm better. I'm really selective about my audience. Mm-hmm. I have to know for certain that the person whose post I'm commenting on will get it uh-huh. and laugh. Uh-huh. Because it's usually, if you read it in an, if you assumed I was earnest, given the context, yeah. you would probably just think I'm a huge dick. Right, because you know someone's mom is, is reading the comments. Right, right, right. That's what it comes down to. That's like, that's my, that's my measuring stick. I think like, okay, if I write this in the comments, I have to know that this person's mom is going to read that comment. What, what then? Basically, I'm worried about offending people's moms, not not them necessarily. Because I don't know, maybe there should be a campaign to get unfriended. How do I get unfriended? What if the goal is to get down to like five people? Well, I mean, you could just post bigotry that gets you unfriended. No, no, no. no. (laughs) Like, but being myself, maybe that is the true measure. It's like be yourself, and and you'll see like how many people actually want to want to say they they're they're linked up to you yes and no because there's an additional factor with social media and with the internet in general and including this which what we're doing right now which is that anything you write say or do online is in ink it's not like we're you know at a party and i'm gonna make some dumbass comments about this or that or the other thing and know that when we leave there no one's gonna be like anything but oh that was funny they might relate the story, but I'm not there with a picture of my face right. and a bunch of details about my family and, you know, this idea that, you know, that now you can step out of line online and, um, you know, be ho- punished for it wholesale, which, by the way, I, I'm not necessarily against uh, as a function of making society a better place by calling out people who are shitheads but sometimes that anger is misplaced especially in a medium like twitter where the um, word count is very limited and without context it's very easy to see a single tweet and assume the worst yeah which is why i have an extra anonymous account where i post all the things i wish i could post on my own twitter (laughs) (laughs) the spillway the spillway it's like where like the the I don't know the bad stuff comes out. It's not even the bad stuff. It's just stuff that I don't want to associate with my name because I have a job. <laughs> right. That's a that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's not like All it's right. like I don't view like you know hatred or some sort of. It's just jokes that I would like to make on my own account that I right. probably feel like could be career limiting if the wrong person saw them. You are not at your core a terrible person, but. Sometimes you think terrible things. Well, and I like to make <laughs> jokes. Like I think and, yeah, jokes and you make terrible, terrible jokes. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, J- joke is joke. If you want to be funny, and it's not like I'm trying to be funny on a day to day basis. It's just that here's a good example. I was at work the other day, sitting in my you know cube, not paying attention to whatever's going on around me, and then <laughs> the two guys that are, I guess you know, two four cubes over. So they're you know three. One, two, three people away. But they're talking over the cue wall between them. And so it's it's not a big place. It's, you can hear it, right? Uh, and 
then some one guy's well, what are we gonna do? We can like take them to your mom's, and the other guy's like, well, I mean, we could do that. And I just go, I'll see you guys there. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it got yeah. a pretty, it got a pretty good reaction, and that's the kind of thing that I just sort of live for. Yeah, and that's yeah. why actually I wish, you know. I, I wish I was better at this podcasting thing, but it turns out I'm just good at reacting to stuff and not so good about just being funny when I given the. No, I I know, but there's a gift in that too. Like, I mean, the fact that you can go into a situation and figure out a way to be funny—that's that is that is absolutely a gift. Because I'm not the type of person who wants to like prepare material. No, I don't want to prepare material. I don't want. Here's the thing. Now this is psych psychology, but like. I don't want to be the center of attention. All right, no, I don't want to be the focus of the attention, but I want to take it. <laughs> you know? Well, I want to like figure the, out a way to take it. Yeah, it's like the key to an excellent best man speech, which is to be memorable and unmemorable all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you want people to feel they have this large memory of the night. You came in for three minutes and injected a funny, a few laughs into their night. Right. And that's just sort of this peripheral memory. Right. right, right. That's and that's that's. I want that all the time. Okay. Well, let's make it. Let's figure out a way to make it so. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. Social media requires a, a heavy hand on the edit stick. Um. And and yeah. I and I'm glad that it came out. Glad that I was as old as I was when Facebook became mainstream because it allowed for me to not have a whole collection of garbage on the internet. Right. Right. Yeah, I was very late to the social media game. I don't know. I, I, I think I, I don't know why I wanted to stay off of it for so long. I just had no under, I guess I didn't have an understanding of what the appeal was, but now it's like, it's such a part of our lives that walking away from it is, is, it's a huge challenge. I just had this conversation. It's doable, I just had this conversation with some friends the other night. Like, could I just quit Facebook? Because I just hate it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the reaction was, or the, sorry, the reality that, that, that we came up with was uh, it would just be sort of the, the real impact would be that it would just be sort of harder to get in touch with people who I don't talk to very often. Right. Right. So it's all about like these peripheral relationships, right? It's all about these just, it's maintaining these relationships with people you don't even, let's face it. How many people do, do you really know in your Facebook feed? I do. A, do, well, do you I really, don't... you really know it? Well, I mean, I have friends from, you know, people who are friends with on Facebook that I haven't talked to and actually spoken with in, in decades. But okay. I, I, it's also allowed me to reconnect with people. Or I, I shouldn't say that maybe it's allowed other people to reconnect with me because mostly I'm like, leave me alone. Why are you friending me? I, I know we went to fourth grade together, but right. I promise we don't want to be friends anymore. It's probably not yeah. going to work out. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to sound like an elitist, but hey, what no. are you going to do? No, I, I know what you mean. I mean, it's tough enough to make time for like your immediate friends. Mm -hmm. I um, do do I tend to do a yearly culling yeah that's a good idea yeah and no offense to anybody if you know if I stop showing up on your Facebook feed it was just because we don't talk and we don't need to talk so yeah exactly. if you want to if you want to uh, you know see my pithy thoughts you can follow me on Twitter the Facebook harvest that should be a thing <laughs> yeah right like spring yeah. cleaning exactly the right. Facebook harvest yeah Anyway, uh, harvesting implies that you're actually collecting them in some way. Yeah, you're right. It's more like yeah, it's more it's like more, spring cleaning. It's spring cleaning. It's more of a purge or weeding, a, weeding, a, a weeding of a garden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, speaking of uncomfortable social norms, um, 
I talked about with you that like I had a really good idea that we're not going to get into in detail because I kind of want to pursue it. Um, but what do you do as sort of a, eh, you know, I don't know, a person who doesn't want to seem like a creep <laughs> when mm-hmm. you have a, what you think is a great business idea, but it's absolutely on the back of the porno industry. Right. This is not the kind of thing you want to tell your mom about, right? You don't want people. I mean, I don't have to worry about this. I'm married, have two kids, and I mean, I'm sure my wife would have a lot of questions if I decided to sort of <laughs> launch some weird porno endeavor. But it's not like I have to sort of meet someone and and have them take me home and be like, yeah, oh yeah, this is my fiance, the porno kingpin. Yeah. So what do you do <laughs> to pursue your entrepreneurial porno idea? Yeah. Well, in the case of your idea, it's sounds like it's is it an app it's is it it's app related right yeah it's a delivery system sure let's let's, let's call it, let's say it let's say it's like mm-hmm. i think you can put the thinking together without the uh the wrapper you know what i'm saying put the skeleton together and and take that out into the world and if some and if some you know porno kingpin not you decides like they want to throw a million dollars at you for the idea well you know what they put the wrapper on it you're you're just you know this was your idea for delivering information well we talked about how it had other real world other real world applications um and i actually i wish i could remember now what what, uh it's been so long since we've done a show this this note comes from i got an email from weeks ago when we were actually still trying to put together topics so i don't know that i remember all the details in fact so i i I'm worried that there is more to it that's more porn specific. Mm-hmm. So, how as an upstanding Let's person can about, you be a porn peddler? I don't know, man. I I think you can you could position it in a slightly different way. It doesn't have to be you know your ideas that have to be written up as porn porn centric. Well, you if you're content. if you're in front exactly it's you, a if you're in front delivery of the right system eye, I get it yeah, yeah yeah you know you walk you walk into some quarantine pen's office and say hey I have a content delivery system let them connect the dots right well, let's just, let's set that aside though let's say it is porn specific <laughs> okay but no I'm just saying like what do you do oh like, I you're saying like your idea you is it? only yeah. relevant in porn yeah how do you monetize know. it without feeling like a goon just get over it I guess is that the I, answer I, I'd say I'd say just get over it. Okay, well, yeah, groundbreaking, take, take groundbreaking radio we're doing here. Is just, just, I hope yeah. we're providing insight into people's lives. I'd say just take the money and go for it, you know? I mean, if it's not you, it's going to be the next guy. So we're going with the no shame in your game clause. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Fair. Well, speaking of porno uh, and fetishes, the, oh. our last topic for the evening was about handling positive racial stereotypes. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. We should probably not record this. Look, I, I'm not coming in with answers. I'm coming in with questions. Okay. Well, what questions do you have? Well, I guess the question, I guess it's mainly one big question. When it comes to racial stereotyping, what about the positive racial stereotypes? And how are, how are those viewed or received when, when used? For example, Chinese people are good at math. um oh this is okay so i guess what i'll say is that like generalizing about any race is generally bad 
Um, <laughs> because it's just it's it's something you want to excise and. Ge- if you as a person were simply drawing conclusions based on your experiences and it wasn't sort of institutional, it'd be a different uh, story. Yeah. But the problem with the positive stereotype is if the person doesn't live up to said positive stereotype, you're going to think of them as lesser, not only as a person, but as a person of their race. Okay. You know how upset black dudes with little dicks are right now? <laughs> Like, those dudes That's... are, they're so mad, right? Like, maybe right, they're really right. cool, and maybe they're, you know, they like to meet lots of women, and, and half these women are like, oh, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. And then they get home, and they're like, well, shit, that's not any different than that frat dude I fucked three weeks ago. Okay. Well, I think, I think we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bottom line is that it's just not a good idea. Just stereotyping in general is, is, is no good. Yeah. Well, okay. Although so I, me, I, I do find myself in situations where where a, a person of a certain race will bring it up. You know, I've had I've had a like a, an Asian woman say to me, "Oh, well, you know us. We're we're bad drivers." You know, and the door the door is the door swings open. <laughs> yeah, and I, the interesting thing is, uh, my first thought is, what's her role in not propagating that sort of thought? Uh-huh. This happened at a tailgate I was at not too long ago where um, he said, don't worry about me. I don't need to drink water. I'm, I, I'm from the desert. I'm from the desert. And I immediately yeah. turned to him. And I had just met this guy, like, in passing while we were at this party, tailgate. And I said to him, I was like, yeah, you can't do that. I know you're just making a joke and you're making sort of the white people laugh and feel comfortable. But the problem is that now you have any of these white people who are racists... You've made them now feel like it's acceptable to say what you just said about you, and they'll use it in a negative fashion whether you like it or not. And right. he got, like, sort of mad at me, and I think that's because he'd been drinking, and we just sort of moved on. Like, I was, we laughed about it, whatever, and I was like, oh, I'm not, you know, he got started to get mad, and I was like, oh, do, you know, do whatever you want, obviously, and whatever made light of it moved on. But I did feel like an asshole for a couple of reasons. Obviously, I'm a white guy telling a, a brown dude. How to handle his race situation. Uh-huh. But really, I'm just mad at him because I feel like that's he's doing that because he feels like he has to. Or like he feels like, I don't know, that he's going to make you know the people around him who might say something like that. It's the kind of thing where you say it about yourself before somebody else says it about you. Yeah. And yeah. that's not the kind of thing I want to be promoting. Right. Well, I mean, on one hand, it it's like... Can, Control taking control of that conversation to some degree, yeah. and just like getting getting it out, and just being like, okay, let's just let's just say what you're all thinking, you terrible white people. Um, but on the other, but on the other hand, then it does it leaves that it's opening a door. Yeah. Well, you called it's, it that. You called it opening yeah. door. Yeah. It's it's opening that door where um, it's almost it's almost inviting a, re- a remark back. Your remark happened to be related to like the entirety of the situation, like as it, as it related to how people might react, as opposed to you know coming back with something that would be well, kind of I don't know tiptoeing, you know, towing the line as potentially um, dummies, racist. Well, dummies call this race baiting because yeah. they feel like if you open the door, I have to walk through it. Oh, you baited me into it, right? No. You could have just been like, dude, come on. You know, I mean, yeah. that's an option. Yeah. You don't have to be like, 
oh yeah, Asian lady, you sure are bad at driving in my experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, exactly. that's not, exactly. it's not a requirement. Yeah. And there's a whole sub- subsection of the population that feels like it's okay to walk through that door once the door's been opened. Yeah. And that they shouldn't be then, uh, you know, receive any sort of comeuppance for, for their, for, for walking through the door because somebody else opened it for them. Right. Because, exactly. yeah, you know. Well, they started it. <laughs> right. It's very childish. All right. So I know that I said that was going to be our last topic, but um, we wanted to talk about Bill Simmons because I think that, at least for me, I literally have been reading him. Oh, I said literally. I'm sorry. Um, but I have literally been reading him since he started being published on page two. Um, and he did shape a great deal of the sports landscape uh, or sports reporting landscape as it exists today. Um, you know, the sort of fan access point of view, the idea that somebody's going to write about what we're all thinking as opposed to what the players are saying and the coaches are telling the reporters to write. And you just mentioned um, how long has he been out of the spotlight? I'm, I'm going to, I don't know for sure, but I'm saying he's fired probably two or three months ago. Feels like that. Probably, I, I yeah. definitely, but, probably well, three. It wasn't really three months because we didn't talk about it, but it doesn't matter. We didn't talk about it, yeah. Did you, uh, did yeah. you have something that you want to start with? No, I, just that I've been missing him. Um, and and I don't know what he's going to go on and go go and do. Um, you know, I I definitely think he's he's got enough um, kind of uh, pull and enough cred that he's he's going to be back and he's going to be around. I'm just I, I'm just excited to see kind of what role he takes on he takes on next. Um, he said he did such a good job of putting a good stable of writers together for Grantland, which is you know of course owned by the overlords. Um, so he'll have to, you know, walk away from that. And I don't know how many of those guys are specifically under contract for, for Grantland, but, um, you know, just the fact that he was so much broader than, than just sports. I think I appreciated so I, I appreciate so much. Um, and you know, the fact that I can look to him for topics as it relates to, you know, summer movies or, you know, any, anything kind of, you know, a little extracurricular outside of the sports world. Um, you know, I'm sure he's out there reloading and then figuring out, you know, how to, how to come back with a bang. Um, I don't know. I've just been missing him. I've been missing his podcast. Mm-hmm. I miss him and him and Jalen mm-hmm. and all that business. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just a lot of fun. And he's, he, he's just a real dude. And, um, and I, and I appreciate him. And I, I can't wait to have him back. I think I miss Bill because of Jalen. Because just to the just today, I said to my daughter, "No, call me. I want to know." <laughs> <laughs> she was nagging me about something. And I just stood up and I just get, I just hollered at her, "Not gonna be able to do." <laughs> um, but yeah, with regard to Simmons, uh, I definitely missed the podcast, and I didn't realize that uh, I would miss it. But uh, I think that became his strength. I, his columns definitely got gross. Uh, the last year and two, I mean, it's been a while since he's, you know, he's good for a gem every now and again, but the last couple of months, I'm like, I, did I even read this? I don't even know that I need to read it. It's just regurgitated crap. But his yeah. podcast, he gotten really good at interviewing people in the way that you as a fan would interview them. Like, tell yeah. me about this yeah. thing. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and he also had a knack for getting people to open up because he'd wait to, till he'd sort of developed a, a sense of trust with them before he'd bring up some of the more challenging topics. And that's a really big, uh, it's sort of a really impressive skill to have been able to hone, um, and turn around the shows that he did. I, you know, I listened to a lot of, I told you about the Larry David one. Did you ever go listen to it? Uh, yeah, I did listen to it. I don't remember it off the top of my head. 
but I did listen to it, and I remember enjoying it. Yeah, well, you and I just talked about the fact that he said there was no more Curb. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I I miss the podcast. I definitely uh, miss Jalen. I don't, like, I I don't listen to any of the other Grantland shows for the most part, because it used to be that if I listened to BS Report, I'd get enough Zach Lowe, get enough Bill Barnwell, get enough Jonah Carey, that I didn't really need to listen to their shows, and frankly, like, I mean, I love you, Jonah. I like what you write about, but listening to you talk is a painful experience, buddy. <laughs> and I don't have the greatest radio voice, but uh, damn, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I think the, the the episode that stands out to me was when um, Bill did, it might have been a two-parter with Doug Collins. No, it's just a single part with Doug Collins. And he kept calling Doug Collins his, his quote-unquote life coach. And you could tell that he and Doug Collins had been friends for a long time. And just to listen to them talk to each other and not only kick around basketball, but just kind of bigger life stuff was very, very impressive. And it, it had a lot of heart and it was very earnest. And I appreciated that. I really enjoyed that show with Doug Collins as well, actually. He had a lot to say. He told a lot of funny stories. Yeah. And I missed yeah. that part about the, the Simmons podcast. I always felt like I got something from the guest that they weren't going to give to a more major outlet. Yeah. Do you think if Doug Collins sticks around for one more year as Bulls coach, that he's <laughs> he's got a few championships under his belt? That's really. Do you think that? Do you think that team was was rounding into shape, or did it did it need the you know Tex winner driven triangle offense brought in by Phil to to really achieve what it achieved? cold i would say that i believe the structure reigned in mike enough to allow the rest of the team to contribute but to be honest my first reaction was i don't feel like i can have an opinion about this unless i go back and watch a bunch of film from those two seasons back to back i'd be able to tell you definitively if i went and watched the last doug collins season and the first phil jackson season i'd be able to tell you for sure whether or not it was a coaching thing yeah. but off the top of my head my 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 gut says that Mike needed the structure, the limiting structure, in order to freelance in a productive way. In the same way that, you know, it worked really well with Kobe and Shaq when they were actually working together. Yeah. Because Kobe wanted to shoot all the time. He still does. Yeah. I don't know if you saw any of the reports about LaMarcus Aldridge and the <laughs> Lakers. And... Yeah. I want, basically, Kobe said, I, I want you to be my Al Gasol. <laughs> and Marcus is like, no, I'm not really going to be second fiddle right it's like how about you be my dame lillard kobe on your way out yeah exactly exactly so anyway that went off topic but missy bill simmons um can't wait to see you back i know you'll be back soon and it was reloading something specials in the works all right well it was good to get another uh Another episode on wax after such a long layoff. Again, I apologize. Again, you know the time difference really surprisingly makes it challenging for us. Yeah, it does, but we figure it out. I mean, let's just keep doing what we're doing and, and put stuff down for sure. And if you want to hear more of me, by all means, check out the uh, Reasons Are Best of show published on June thirtieth this week. This <laughs> week, Matt is making an aggressive wanking motion, and now, oh, oh, okay, yeah. Tongue in the cheek. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's wonderful. Get that off. Get out of your eye there. (laughs) 
Well, this is Midwest Coast Bias. You can find us at, at MWCB Show on Twitter, Midwest Coast Bias at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SEATJK. Uh, Matt is at NeckFat. NeckFat? Did you never actually tweet? <laughs> I don't tweet, but I have the greatest Twitter handle in the history of mankind. You could, you know, retweet the show when I publish it. Yeah. Uh, what's my login? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yep. All right, well, that's going to do it for Midwest Coast Bias this week. Uh, I promise it won't be another four or five weeks before we see each other again. We promise. We'll be around. And again, I, now that I know my situation is sorted out, it should be much easier to handle. So I know where I'm I know where I'm leaving, I know where I'm going, and I know where I'm recording. So we'll be back with you in just a few weeks. Thanks for listening, and uh, hit us up. We'll talk to you soon. Good night. Good night.